Good morning, everyone. I should say maybe to some of you, Happy New Year. <laughs> it's been difficult to get out. It seems like so long since I've had the privilege of stand here and preach to you, speak to you. Three weeks, I guess. And, uh, and you've probably noticed a little adjustment here. Uh, I'm fighting a bad cold. And so, uh, you know, the usual thing that hangs on your ear that you use, turning, in your, turning your head and coughing doesn't work with that. So uh, <clears throat> I've got to just remember, I guess, to stay quite in front of this, and then I could turn my head. You know, it might be a good idea during cold and flu season if, if maybe for two or three weeks we all stop shaking hands and do the fist bump or the elbow thing or even the, the hip, <laughs> hip bump, whatever, whatever works for us all. We're in the fourth week of the book of Luke our series, and uh, week one and two, we dealt with Jesus' calling of the disciples, and then two weeks ago, Tanya Nace was here and spoke from Luke, from the passage, the calling of John the Baptist, and then uh, today I'm uh, dealing with Jesus, dealing with the whole issue of our tendency to criticize and judge. Comedian Steve Martin once said, before you criticize a man, walk a mile in his shoes. That way, when you do criticize him, you'll be a mile away and you'll have his shoes. <clears throat> I hope I can give you something a little uh, more significant than that about this whole matter of criticizing. Let's speak to the Father and then we're going to go right to the Word. Father, Open our minds and hearts, I pray this morning, as we look at this subject that baits us all and traps us all at times with critical word, a critical attitude. Speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Stop criticizing others. Those are not my words, they're Jesus' words. And these words are not hard to understand. You all understand those words. They're easy to understand. It's just that they're hard to practice. Who among us, who in this room, has not been involved in a conversation that went something like this? Someone says to you, you're being a little critical, aren't you? Or I think you're being judgmental. And we come back with, no, no, I'm just telling the truth. I'm just telling it like it is, or we may respond and say something like, I feel strongly about this, and I must speak out. There seems to be a gray area, some confusion when it comes to these words of Jesus. There seems to be some question as to what constitutes judging and criticizing and what doesn't. Now, there are some things in Scripture, as you well know, that they're so clear-cut. I mean, they're, they're black and white. Murder is black. Hating a brother or sister, there's never any question about that. It's always wrong. It's a black. Adultery is always wrong. Revenge, according to the Scripture, it's a black. It's always a no. But when it comes to these words of Jesus, stop judging, don't criticize others, we say don't we? Well, there's good criticism and bad criticism. Most of us 
would justify ourselves this way, perhaps, by saying, when I do it, it's constructive criticism, but when you do it, you're judging. We're all inclined to do that at times. So I want you to come with me now, and let's look more closely at what Jesus had to say in this, pa- uh, in this passage about this whole matter of judging, criticizing. We're in Luke chapter 6. The words will be on the screen. So this morning, I'll be odd and you be even. Here we go. Verse 37, stop judging others and you will not be judged. Stop criticizing others or it will all come back on you. If you forgive others, you will be forgiven. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. What good is it for one blind person to lead another? The first one will fall into the ditch and pull the other down also. (laughs) And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log from your own eye, then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. There you have it. I always find Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the scriptures such a a refreshing and an insightful Read, listen to how he puts this passage. Don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Don't criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find it a lot easier. Give away your life, and you'll find your life given back but not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. He quoted a proverb, can a blind man guide a blind man? Wouldn't they both end up in the ditch? An apprentice doesn't lecture the master. The point is to be careful who you follow as your teacher. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this I know better than you mentality again, playing holier than thou part instead of just living your own part. Wipe the ugly sneer off your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. So let me now answer several questions this morning about this whole matter of criticism. First question is this, what is it exactly that that Jesus is forbidding? Here's the first answer to that. Jesus is not forbidding spiritual discernment. Jesus is not forbidding us to observe behaviors and actions and issues 
around us through the lens of Scripture and then speaking out about it. And yet so often it seems in our culture today, when a Christian takes a stand on some issue, someone, it seems, is bound to speak up and say, well, who are you to judge? Let me give you an example. We believe, and so we teach, and the Bible makes it clear that sex belongs in the marriage bed only. But if you speak up today and say such a thing in our culture, someone will come back at you with words like this. Well, who are you to judge? Didn't Jesus accept everybody? Didn't Jesus say, stop judging others? But you see, friends, this morning, Jesus didn't mean that we shouldn't discern what the book says and then take a stand against violations of his standard. You see, it was Jesus himself who called King Herod a dangerous fox. It was Jesus who called the Pharisees a brood of snakes. It was Jesus who accused the money changers in the temple of being greedy. And he taught. Jesus himself taught his disciples to make wise judgments about people. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets, Jesus speaking, who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really wolves that will tear you apart. And then the next verse says, you can detect them by the way they act. And so understand this now. No, you and I are not to sit on the judge's bench, but Jesus did say these words, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And I take that to mean that you and I are to be fruit inspectors. Do you understand that? The Bible says to all of us, beware of false prophets. The Bible says don't fellowship with the sexually immoral. The Bible says beware of a wolf in sheep's clothing. The Bible says rebuke our brother who sins. Forgive the one who repents. How can we do all of those things that Jesus told us to do unless we use moral discretion? Some people, some of you in this room, you have to make moral assessments on the job, policemen who make arrests, employers who hire people, the church nominating committee who makes recommendations to the annual meeting. We must make moral judgments. Jesus did say, don't throw your pearls to pigs. That requires on our part that we have to determine which, who, who is a pig and who is not. So we are to make moral judgments. We are to exercise spiritual discernment. So the question is, what is Jesus forbidding? He's not forbidding spiritual discernment. Here's the second answer. Jesus is not forbidding constructive criticism. And I take you back to verse 42. I read it to you again. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So Jesus is saying it is our job to help our friend with the speck in his eye, saying what? That there is such a thing as constructive criticism and it's necessary and it's helpful because there are loops in the law, there are flaws in programs, there are faults in people. 
And we'll always need constructive criticism as long as there are Ford cars on the road. Constructive criticism stops what is wrong and tries to correct it. Aren't you glad that someone years ago decided to do constructive automobile safety constructive criticism? And so today, we have vehicles with headrests and seat belts and child safety seats and reinforced steel car doors and collapsible steering columns and airbags and cameras now so you can back up without bumping someone. Jesus expects us to use constructive criticism. Back to our question then. What is it that Jesus is forbidding? And here it is. Jesus is forbidding you and I to be hypercritics. He's forbidding hypercriticism. The message puts that verse this way. Don't condemn those who are down. Hypercriticism is the habit of searching for things wrong and enjoying pointing them out. Hypercriticism is the vexing habit of finding the negative 2% and focusing on it while ignoring the positive 98%. Jesus is talking here about the, the husband who ignores his wife's good qualities. She's affectionate, she's good mother, pleasant personality, faithful employee, but he focuses on her occasional lack of attention to detail. Jesus is speaking about the person <clears throat> who demands such perfection in other people that he or she has only surface relationships with people because of harsh judgments. Jesus is speaking of the church member who picks away at everything in leadership and goes away from church week after week empty. Jesus is talking about the employee who nibbles away at the boss, a constant, irritating, menacing, critical spirit. Later today, I expect many of us will watch the Super Bowl game. Uh, I have never been a football fan. I'm not sure who's playing today. But I will watch the game because the best commercials of all the year are found in the Super Bowl game. So I'll be there. One of the best commercials a few years ago was sponsored by AmeriQuest Mortgage Company. And the message they were trying to portray is, don't judge too quickly. And the, the commercial depicted, showed a convenience store shopper standing at the counter talking on his cell phone. And he says to the person on the other end, you're getting robbed. The two clerks behind the counter go ballistic. They panic, panic, they squirt the man with pepper spray slug him with a baseball bat, and zap him with an electric cattle prod. You get the point, I think. We need to be careful about this whole matter of judging. If we're not careful, any of us, any day can violate Jesus' clear teaching, which simply is this, stop criticizing others. <clears throat> Here's question number two. I have three today. Question number two. Why do we criticize anyway? What makes us fall into this trap? And here's the first answer to that. First answer is guilt. 
Do you know the Old Testament story of the shepherd boy David? He visited an army camp where his brothers served, and he was appalled because the head of the Philistine army, Goliath, was standing on the hill over yonder, yonder taunting the Israelite army, challenging them, saying, rather than the two armies going at it today, why don't you send your best soldier down into the valley to meet me, the two of us will fight, and the winner takes all. No one from the Israeli army is moving. David is there because he's bringing food to his brothers who are in the army. He's just a kid. And he says to his older brother, why does this go on? Why doesn't someone fight him? Eliab, who's David's older brother, became very critical of David, saying, why did you come down here anyway? I know how conceited you are. Hear me this morning. Criticism hurts, especially when it's from someone close to you. Criticism hurts even when it comes, even when it comes from someone over you. It hurts when it attacks your motive. You see, Eliab was a big, strong man. Eliab was the logical choice to fight Goliath. And Eliab felt guilty because of his own cowardice. He had a log in his own eye. He had his own failure, and so he took the focus off himself by criticizing David. So sometimes we fall into the criticism trap because of guilt. Sometimes it's because of envy. Jesus was a perfect man. And he was constantly criticized by the envious religious leaders. He didn't observe the Sabbath right. He didn't wash his hands before he ate. He was too friendly with sinners. The real problem was that Jesus' opposition, the religious teachers of the law, were jealous of him. And they tried to discredit him and criticize him because of envy. Envy does that. It makes you look for faults. Envious people exalt themselves by tearing others down. And then there's a third reason, I think, why sometimes we criticize, and that's because of ego. Do you ever notice how it's so in to be a critic today in our culture? We have financial critics in government. We have movie critics in entertainment. We have fashion critics and the reporter today who writes a, a positive news story can often be seen as a naive cheerleader. But the reporter who writes a negative news story is often viewed as an in-depth professional. It seems that people today love to listen to a critic. So now come with me to the big question of the morning. Why should we refrain from judging, from criticizing? There are reasons, there are five here in this scripture. Let, here's the first. The first reason we should not be critical is this. Jesus said, quit it. Stop judging, Jesus said. Stop criticizing. If I gave you no other reason this morning than this, this should be enough. Because Jesus said so, period. Uh, but there's some of you here in this room this morning and you came from a home where you heard from one of your parents often when you questioned why you should do something and the parent came back with because I said so it wasn't enough for you then <clears throat> and you're here this morning 
and that reason isn't enough. Well, fortunately for you, I have four more reasons why we shouldn't be critics. Here's number two. We shouldn't criticize, we shouldn't be critics because it's harmful to the critic. Verse 27, 37 that we read moments ago says, stop criticizing others or it will all come back on you, the criticizer. It will be used to measure what is given back to you. Jesus said a similar thing that Matthew records in his gospel. Whatever measure you use in judging others, it will be used to measure how you are judged. And that is implying that we will stand before our maker one day and the measure that we have used on other people will come back on us, referring to that day, the judgment day. But you know what? People who fall into this trap of constantly criticizing, it's also harmful to them on this day. People who are critics, their peace and contentment goes. Critical people are the most miserable of people. A woman was in a hardware store, and she was criticizing every item on the shelf, and she came to some new brooms that were on display. And she was overheard by the clerk to say, the structure of these brooms is unstable. The straw of these brooms is of poor quality. Look how rough the handles are. They're worthless. The clerk spoke up and said, why don't you take one and ride it home and see for yourself? You see it? When you criticize, people lose respect for you. So criticism is harmful to the critic. But we all need to realize the sinfulness of it. Don't rationalize. Don't justify it. But some people would say, maybe you've said it. Maybe I have. Well, I like things done right. And I believe that I have the gift of criticism. It's not a gift, it's a curse. Jesus says, don't do it. Here's a third reason why we shouldn't fall into this habit of being a criticizer. It's harmful to the one being criticized. Reputations can be damaged. Friends can be alienated. Leaders can be discouraged. Their credibility can be undermined. Their effectiveness can be reduced. Their influence diminished. Take you back to verse 39 that says, The first one, referring to the criticizer, will fall into a ditch and pull the other, that's the one being criticized, pull the other one down also. Here's reason number four. Jesus says you and I shouldn't criticize because we're not smart enough. We're just not smart enough. Verse 39 says, what good is it for one blind person to lead another? Verse 42 reminds you and I that we can't see past the log in our own eye. Jesus is saying that we're not smart enough to be critics. We don't know. The person that we're, we look at and are inclined to be critical, we don't know what their upbringing was like. We don't know about their home life. We don't know about their chemical imbalances. We don't know about their temptations. We don't know about their circumstances. Hear me this morning, friends. We have such a partial 
knowledge of people, we never know the whole truth ever about the whole person. And then there's this little nugget that reminds us way back in the Old Testament book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, we read these words. All of us need to be reminded of this. Man looks at the outward appearance. There's our problem right there, right? Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Hear me this morning. If we realized, if we truly realized what some people have to go through, so far from criticizing them, we would be amazed that they have succeeded in being as good as they are. There is so much we don't know. We're not smart enough. And then there's one more reason I want to share with you this morning why Jesus said don't criticize. Here it is. We aren't good enough. We simply aren't good enough. And I take you back to verse 41 that says, Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Jesus is saying, you and I have our own problems Jesus is saying you and I ought to clean up our own backyard before we call our neighbor's yard a mess. Stop criticizing others. Those are Jesus' words. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough. It hurts the one being criticized. It hurts the one doing the criticizing. And Jesus said, quit it. Sometimes I wonder... If we don't hear a sermon like this sometimes and we think, surely you're not doing this. I wish Uncle Charlie was here to hear this. He's such a critical person. (laughs) Or my cousin Warren. Oh, he really needs to be here. He has a real problem. I suggest we all, as we come down to the end of this sermon this morning, take the attitude that Jesus' disciples took when Jesus said to the twelve, One of you is going to betray him. You remember the response one after the other? Lord, is it I? Is this my problem? Can I suggest that we all pray this prayer together? It's in Psalm 139. Just read it through there silently until we read it together. Can you pray that? Want to pray it together? Out loud, full voice. Let's do it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Father, hear our prayer. Look in each one of us to see if this isn't our problem. And let us be willing to acknowledge it, admit it, confess it. And Father, you alone can change us. Do a work in all of us. In Jesus' name we pray.